crunching the praise song in sign language? Stay tuned. Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. <laughs> he said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. <laughs> So, uh, you guys put the on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word. Pastors, keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. The Stockholm Syndrome of Podcast. This is Table Talk Radio. Here for. I un- think the fact that people listen to us is a sign of the end times. <laughs> by the way. We are living in the end. We're going to be checking out some of the emails sent to questions at tabletalkradio.org and uh, you know we decided we should start knocking some of those out we'll take care of that today i don't know if that'll yeah, produce yeah. any games but it ought to um i mean re- the, probably the highlight of the show is when we're reading the words of the email and then we get done reading and it's like oh now it's back to <sighs> brian and evan and that's that's Madden. the great disappointment mediocrity and and today uh you know the normal buoyant energy that I, I think for both of us bring to the show is somewhat deflated. Yeah. Because we're dude. mourning the loss oh, don't say of our own. Way. Why do you have to say it like that? Pastor Flammy. <laughs> it's not that he died. He's done this drastic thing. He's accepted a call. Roswell, New Mexico. So oh. he's heading down there no longer. He's vacated the building. At least he's still hanging around, but I just ignore him now. So. <laughs> Pastor. He's, he's, all he's talking supposed to, to preach you. his last. He's supposed to preach his last sermon on Sunday, and I'm just going to walk into the pulpit and start like he's not even there. It's like Mel Gibson in the Ghost. What's that, or who's Bruce Willis? Which is the guy that? Anyway, one of those guys that I, I see. I, I see called pastors. <laughs> you're dead yeah, to me, Flammy. You're him. dead to me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh. What are we going to do now? You know, who's going to come yeah. running in here when yeah. he tells me when he, I say baptism is a symbol? The bigger question the, is, <gasps> who's going to be tending to the flock when you're traipsing around doing uh, tours all the time? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they figured that out yet. Aren't you our pastor, Pastor Wolfman? Yeah. So, that's why I got Flammy here so that, that I could go I could go do tours all the time. <laughs> Well, I'm you, just going to have to bring the whole church with me is my plan. You know? <laughs> Hope Lutheran Church will be meeting hey, this Sunday in Athens. Yeah. Hey, That's if you want lot. pastoral care, sign up for this tour. <laughs> <laughs> pastoral care will be in Athens, Greece. you got to come. That's right. That's right. It's a small world, you know. It's a small world. Greece isn't as far away as it used to be. Now, Roswell, New Mexico, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of dangerous territory. I mean extraterrestrial life going on out there and... <laughs> he started making all these et jokes and he went down there and the elders are like this no, no 
<laughs> and then this is not going to work out now, if this he, continues. You know, he's announced his call, what, like that he accepted the call maybe a week ago or something. And now every time he tells someone he's going to New Mexico, if someone makes an alien joke and he's like, "This no, stop." Already, it's so- <laughs> he's already identifying with the local frustration. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's right. So he'll be down there. He'll have his own associate, uh, which will be great, uh, who I plan to call as my associate for the next two months. <laughs> Return on the favor. See how you like it, Flammy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to let him get used to it first. Then whoosh, destroy his soul. See what you, how you take it. Well, that's, oh well, God that's, be praised. You know this is how it goes. It's the thing that is important for us to remember, and that is that that pastors are replaceable. You know, the pulpit mm-hmm. has both an entrance and an exit, uh, and the Lord is pleased to call us for a time, and then pleased to send someone else to be in our spot. The church endures forever, but you know, pastors come and go. Yep, and uh, that's good for us to remember. You know, what's a good reminder of that is if you take your car into the mechanic, because you take your car into the mechanic, and let's say he says, "Look, the." The alternators uh, gone bad, and unless uh, unless your car is uh, as old as Pastor Wolfmiller's car, uh, you don't say, "Well, just trash it." Then you buy a new alternator, and he puts it in, and it's fine. You know, <laughs> the car's running again, and that that's how the the, the office is. That uh, no particular person is integral <laughs> to the operation of the church. Uh, in fact, uh, a, another man can fill this office at any given time. So a pastor is an interchangeable part that can just be replaced. And as will be there in the office of the ministry at Hope Lutheran Church. So um, you're looking to call an an, an associate or you're going to get a vicar again. You want to do a vicar? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I got to say that the vicarage idea at Hope Lutheran was better for Table Talk Radio because the vicar made more appearances than uh, the Flammy did. I know we were going to do the highlights of Flammy on Table Talk, and it would be like this. Cricket. Cricket. I told him, I said, this is your last chance to be on the radio. And he says, no, I'm terrible at the radio. And I said, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm glad you're not bitter, bitter about him leaving or anything. Oh, no, no. I'm just pleased. Tickled. Don't let That's the door say, hit right? on the I'm way tickled. out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just, I'm just hoping he doesn't notice all the books I borrowed from him when he's packing up. <laughs> it's like he announces that he's taking a call and you get, you go get a box. Here you go. <laughs> That's right. Call security. What are you doing in my office? <laughs> Never mind. Security will see you to the door. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, there's something else uh, we're doing on Table Talk, Table Talk Radio other than talking about the departure of the Flammy. Uh, take, take, taking a look at some of your emails, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Do you have an email there, Pastor? By the by, the way, this uh, the Flammy, you know, that's our nickname for him. And when people saw him at the Synodical Convention, they would say, Oh, you're the Flammy. <laughs> <laughs> He'll always be the Flammy to us. Before I read you an email, Although I'm going to read my, you something else. My favorite contribution what? of the Flammy to the church was when he was live-tweeting during the best practices conference was that what that was or was it yeah. the five two something like that no no it's best practices oh good um, oh yeah that was and great. i don't i mean we haven't had such great undercover reporting since then i wonder if the flammy will have a chance to do so in roswell new mexico they've they've tagged him now 
Oh my! Do you goodness. think there's any that Roswell listeners to Table Talk Radio? Oh yeah. How do you think he got his awesome call? <laughs> Probably because of Table, not the Holy Spirit or anything like that. Is I take total credit. <laughs> Table Talk Radio. Who's this guy? The Flammy. He sounds like a legend. <laughs> Good. We should tell Flammy he should be honored by all he's this so, ridicule because this is how Pastor Homer copes with hurt and pain and loss. He just makes Bible fun class of everything. said yesterday, they, they, said, they said, oh, no, because I was making fun of how old they are. And they're like, oh, no, we can tell already. You used to make fun of Pastor Flammy, but now you're transitioning back to making fun of us. So they decided that they were going to put a picture of Pastor Flammy on the wall so I could still make fun of him. <laughs> Even though he's not there, to avoid their own ridicule, to avoid getting ridiculed. I see. So they they liked it when uh, Flammy was around because he was like a uh, a decoy for their for your ridicule. <laughs> That's right, decoy. <laughs> decoy. Which I would I would He'll think that would be a decoy. a great case to get a vicar again. I mean, just just uh, no matter who the guy is, the fact that he's a vicar is like a huge target right there for. Could, jokes from could someone get an object of ridicule in here, please? <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> we might lose our touch, or it might just—it might make me really more bitter and sarcastic, like I am right now. No. On every table talk radio show, no. I'll just be all just, just have the snark level ten. You know. You know. Now that you mention it, ever since the flame came around, I think I've been able to dodge some of the ridicule. So. We definitely need to get somebody back into the office. There. I mean, now you have two offices. Do you I have mean, like one is your your play office and the other one is your study office or something like that? Or how's that work? Maybe so. Maybe I'll do that. I have a table talk radio office, and then uh, being a pastor office. No, you, I know. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, I don't know. You have one office for your your pastor study, and then uh, someone goes, uh, "Yeah, pastor, I just want to know about that uh, trip to Greece." Hold on, let me let's step into my travel agency office. And then you can sales office. <laughs> lined with posters of the Aegean Sea. Someone calls. And By says, the way, hey, all, it, all of our I'm listeners to... should come with us to this thing. Wolfmuller.co slash travel. I kind of thought the week, subtle promotion was, this... was more effective. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> when um, this show goes out in next week, it should be able to sign up for that. And I think this trip to Greece might go pretty quick. We got 50 spots open. And. Um, yeah. So anyway, take a look at that. I mean, someone someone calls and says, "Hey, I want to know more about the uh, the baptismal certificates." Hold on, let me put you on hold, and you run it over to the other office. I'm happy to talk to you about the. <laughs> There'll be like anything uh, other that you do related is that office, and then church is is office number one. So you put your, put it on hold and take the call in the other room. I think that'd work out. The theological theological miscellany. That's what I call it. Oh no, it's. Uh, that's an even better idea. You have one office for theological discourse and then another office for anything else. So uh, one of the elders comes and says, uh, Pastor, really got to talk to you. The uh, elevator is a big hit. Hold on. Step into my other office. This is not theological whatsoever. I think <laughs> That's that, right. The that cold, sterile bureaucracy. <laughs> piles of paperwork and file cabinets. No books. <laughs> well, we've successfully squandered an entire segment of Table Talk what? Radio. Are you kidding me? When we get back, we I might. I didn't even get to the buzzword. Remember the buzzword? Mind you, I said might get to actual show content, but that is yet to be seen. We'll find out after this break of Table Talk Radio.
Flammy leaving just totally ruined that whole thing. <laughs> I can't believe you did Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, where on this show, in some point in the first half of the show, we do some buzzwords, usually. See if that happens. If we today. wait to do announce the buzzwords, what if we did the buzzwords at the end, and then just see if you accidentally <laughs> used them? I bet, you know, I bet the odds of you using my buzzword accidentally are actually better than you using it on purpose. <laughs> depends. Like evolution. It depends, because sometimes you do like these... Uh, like Latin sentences. Well, I take that back. You've probably never done a Latin sentence because you can't get the constructions right. But uh, take it easy. Anyway, you got one. That's take it easy. How would I wonder how you say take it easy in Latin? My buzzword <laughs> for you is theodicy. This is sometimes called the problem of evil. If God is good and God is powerful, how come things can be bad? And the answer is uh, Jesus died. <laughs> It's true. You remember how First Peter talks about suffering all the time? Oh, there's so much suffering. And you know what his answer is? Christ also suffered. Every time, he says it like four times, Christ also suffered. That's the scripture's answer to theodicy. I mean, how, how come there be all this bad stuff? Well, I don't know. But the worst stuff of all happened to the Son of God for you. So that answers the question according to the conscience. Maybe not according to the mind, but according to the conscience. So theodicy is my buzzword for you. Uh, my theological buzzword for you is catechism. The definition I have in front of me says a popular manual of Christian doctrine, usually in the form of question and answer intended for religious instruction. And I think the word there is instruction to to focus on. Um, now, a lot of churches have catechisms. That's not necessarily a new thing. Uh, catechisms were already popular in Luther's day. Um, but what Luther did with the small catechism is he... Uh, made it in a very simple way to read, understand, and even memorize, especially for the father or the head of the household to use to instruct his household, his, his children. And so the small catechism was designed especially for children to be able to hear and learn and, and commit to heart. And so uh, it has this, uh, this back and forth, this echoing effect um, uh, that, that, that the catechism brings. Now, Luther, I think, is... Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I, it's been a while since I've looked at this. It's it's uh it's there's. Are you listen? Are you watching TV over there? What's going on? I'm just trying to figure out how to say "take it easy" in Latin. <laughs> it sounds like this. Achipere facile. I'm changing my buzzword, by the way. Achipere facile. That means "take it easy" in Latin. All right. Achipere facile. If I can squeeze that in. Uh, but but uh, Luther. Uh, ordered the catechism intentionally. It says it's slower if you press it like a bunch of times. It like slows down like you're a moron. Why do you keep needing to hear this word? <laughs> you got that? Sorry, what were you talking about? I catechism? About, I was talking about the order of which Luther made the small catechism. Oh, yeah. So you have the, the Ten Commandments first uh, and then the Apostles' Creed. Now that could be you know this law and gospel. that In the Ten Commandments we hear the law and our condemnation therein and then also 
you hear the gospel in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, also, though, I think that you would probably make the point, I want to emphasize the point, that is, that uh, you know the Ten Commandments also uh, order our society. So um, uh, not only are they showing us our sins before a holy and righteous God, but it's through the Ten Commandments that the Lord has ordered our society so that we see what he has instituted and what we should prize and protect in our life and society. Uh, so then you have the creed and the Lord's prayer and then the sacraments. So uh, that's the small catechism. The very basics. I got this cool idea for a catechism video. Ah, more on that later. Ready for an email? Yes. Uh, this is from Laura, who writes, I've been searching for podcast or writing that would specifically address the doctrine of rewards. I found many good writing and podcast discussions that address pietism, but I'm looking for something more pointed on earning up rewards for heaven. I've been a member of the LCMS for over 25 years. I was raised in, uh, in either Baptist or non-denominational evangelical churches. The old message from the teachings I received early in life run deep. It seems I cannot tune into Christian radio without hearing at least one daily message about earning eternal rewards. The message I hear is, yes, we're saved by grace alone but not and not by our works. However, if you want to be somebody in heaven, if you want to rule and reign over others in God's eternal kingdom, then you'd better get busy doing lots of good works. If not, on the judgment day, the Bema seat of Christ, uh, the judgment seat of believers, the evangelicals distinguished between the great right throne judgment as the judgment of eternal damnation for the unbeliever from the Bema seat of Christ, where Jesus judges the works of the believers, etc., the message is one of shame before Jesus and shame before my fellow believers when wards are passed out and I have very few compared to others. It reminds me of the great big Girl Scout award assembly in the sky where we all wait to see who receives the most merit badges. Fantastic. The teachings of rewards leaves me sure that I am saved by grace but fearful of shame for having not done enough to prove my gratitude and love for all the Lord did for me on the cross. I'm eager to hear some messages that may counter or at least modify the fearful message of judgment of believers' works, be a seat of Christ, rewards. Thanks for your consideration of the question, Laura. Okay, this is interesting because I uh, recently almost had the exact same question come to me in our adult instruction class. And and uh, I remember when I was in college, I was kind of um, noticing a difference in this idea of judgment uh, between you know, what I hear at church and then what I was hearing some of my college friends talk about uh, or college professors talk about um, that uh, I asked my pastor about it and he said, well, there aren't two different judgments, one for your salvation, one for your eternal rewards, uh, but the scriptures are talking about one judgment in different manners. And uh, I remember telling that to one of my friends and she's like, no. <laughs> like, well, uh, but can you show me where it's different? No, it just is. Um, so that was helpful. Um, but I, I, as I got this question recently, I started to dig into a little bit more and see where does this, this bema seat come from? And, and, you know, there is a Greek word, you know, bema, uh, in the Greek and it's, uh, used as a judgment. And it's fascinating. I look up all the uses in the new Testament and it's used probably like 12 times, um, in the gospels that talks about, you know, Pilate who sat down on the judgment seat or sat down on the, on the bema, um, uh, the place called the pavement. Um, and then there's all kinds of references throughout Acts of, you know, Galileo, um, who rose up against Paul before the judgment seat, the Bema. Um, Herod, having put his uh, royal apparel on, took his seat at the Bema. So it, it's used in a, in a judgment as sort of a tribunal, you know. But then it's used two times, and only two times, in the epistles to talk about something of 
a judgment before God. And those two times are Romans 14.10 and 2 Corinthians 5.10. And Romans 14.10 says, uh, But you, you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And so um, I think what they're trying to do with Romans 14.10 is say, well, this is talking about judging brothers. This is a Christian kind of a judgment. So this being a seat before God is only for Christians to discern good good works, to discern rewards, rather than the actual judgment. Uh, but look at Second Corinthians 5.10. It says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And um, that is trying to get at the idea of this is a uh, a judgment to, to discern your good works. But I, I have to wonder, what does it mean when it says that we must all appear before the judgment seat? Is Paul saying all of us Christians or that all humanity? Well, I mean, what does it mean to say that we've, we've done things, whether good or bad? <laughs> I mean, uh, in other words, are, are Christians doing... Um, bad things for which the atoning sacrifice doesn't cover. Um, and if the atoning sacrifice does cover the bad things that we do, are we rewarded for the sake of Christ, for his blood covering over the bad things that we've done? So the point here is, is that it's not that there's you know, two different judgments, um, one to discern your destiny and another one to discern your rewards. Because if we look at the judgment from Matthew between the sheep and the goats, um, you have the the sheep who ask the exact same question as the goats. And that question is, when did we ever see you naked? When, when did we ever see you uh, hungry? When did we ever see, ever see you thirsty? And the difference between the two, the sheep and the goats, is that the goats were ready and willing to do good works. If only they knew they'd be getting credit for it. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the goats are saying, look, just tell us when a good work is a good work and we'll do it. We're there. Mm-hmm. And the sheep are kind of just doing. I mean, we're just being sheep. You know, uh, oh, we fed you. OK, I didn't even know that. Um, and, and so we have to ask the question, if if I'm expected to do good works for the purpose of being rewarded in heaven, isn't that kind of a selfish motivation? And if it is, is it still a good work? <laughs> Or have I kind of ruined it by being selfish about my rewards? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So I'm, if I go out there doing a good work because I want things to be better for me in the afterlife, then what I'm, uh, I'm wrecking the thing that motivates a good work, which is the, the requirements of both the love for God and love for the neighbor. I mean, remember how we, the the Bible talks about all these things that make a good work. It's kind of a long list, but you got it's got to be done out of love for God in love for the neighbor, according to the Ten Commandments, et cetera, et cetera. And when we start going and doing our works for some sort of reward, then we're un- undercutting the whole thing. Um, yeah, so it's good. That's a great point. So uh, in this first, or what was it, Second Corinthians text where it says they'll discern between the, the good and the bad, you know, you know there's different words for, for bad in the, in the Greek. This is the one uh, for which John uses in chapter 3, for everyone who does evil hates the light. So the judgment between good and bad is not between really good Christians and bad Christians. 
but good, that is, those who have faith in Christ, versus the evil, those who hate the light. So this has got to be a judgment of the sheep and the goats. This is that same judgment. Does that sound pretty good? Uh, I concur. I'm All glad right. our listeners are judging not between the good and the evil, but just the good and the bad. Yeah, that's the truth. Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Sorry this song to, makes me remember that Flammy's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Everything does. The wind blows. It reminds me that Flammy's leaving. Yeah. Everywhere the wind blows. <laughs> Sorry to ruin it for you that really enduring matters. Table Talk Radio doesn't produce rewards in heaven. To me. Well, you never know. Now, here's an old distinction that our dogmaticians made, which is nice. And they would talk about bliss versus glory. And they say there's no degrees of bliss, but there are degrees of glory. Here's a quote. Uh, While there are no degrees of bliss, since all the saints of Christ shall see God and so will be completely blessed. Scripture teaches that there are degrees of glory consonant with the faithfulness and suffering of the Christian believers in this life. And the quote, the scriptures to look into are 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 1 Corinthians 15, 41 and 42, and then Daniel Twelve three an interesting text, which is quoted by Luther. I'm going to give you that quote. <clears throat> Luther says, It's true, there will be a difference in yonder life according as they have labored and lived here. For example, St. Paul was an apostle, Samuel or Isaiah a prophet, etc. One will have a greater brightness than the other because he worked or suffered more in his office. Thus everyone will have his distinction and glory according to his office, and still one God and one Lord will be in all. And one and the same joy and bliss. In short, all who are uh, to be alike before God and faith and grace and celestial bliss, but they are to differ in their works and their honor. So, um, so there's a there's a there's one bliss and different degrees of glory. Now, to to take this back to the listener to Laura's question, we, there is certainly no shame in heaven. So it's not like. You know, we're going to be in heaven and one person has, you know, the big house and one person has the small house and everyone, you know, you, there's like a bad neighborhood in heaven or something like this. I mean, all of that sort of animosity and distinction and bitterness and everything will be, you know, consumed with the coming of the last day. And so there's not, there is a, a singular joy. And yet we are, the scriptures do talk about how when the Lord, you know, for example, calls uh, St. Paul to do his work. Uh, that that the works follow him. That's how it says it in Revelation. Their works follow them. So that uh, that that work that the Lord accomplished through Saint Paul will will be um, uh, will be for the glory of Jesus, but still uh, belong to Saint Paul in in that way. Um, uh, in 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 the resurrection. So you'll you'll have to actually convince me of this because uh, I'm not sure I'm there. First uh, Corinthians 15 that you quoted <clears throat> says this, There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. 
so also in the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So I think that the 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 glory that are being contrasted, the levels of glory, if you will, is being contrasted in First Corinthians 15 is the distinction between uh, the body here and the body in the resurrection. Um so if there's if there's one glory for the sun, another glory for the moon, there's one glory for our body pre-resurrection and a, another glory for our body post-resurrection. That's how that's how I see this well, text. That, yeah, that's certainly true. I mean, that's certainly a uh, a true uh, fact. But the but the point is that uh, even in the resurrection, the distinctions remain. And this is one of these important things. I mean, you still will be Evan Gagline in the resurrection. I will still be Brian Wolfmuller in the what about, resurrection. What about it's the flammy? Like, will the flammy be the flammy? <laughs> the flammy will still be the flammy in the resurrection. Okay. Uh, and uh, and so our our own personalities, our own names, our own histories these these things are not like erased. You know, it's not like some sort of reincarnation. Like we wake up and we have some faint memory of a pre existence, but that that's all gone. No, we there's a there is a, a continuity not only between uh, the body, but especially just between the person that's there. And so um, you're a pastor on earth. Uh, you you have that office even into the re- resurrection. Now, what your pastoring will look like in the resurrection, I'm sure it will be very different. I mean, Table Talk Radio in the resurrection will probably be awesome. Mm. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just it's its, it's only guessing, hope. But it, <laughs> the only hope of this show being awesome is... It being in the resurrection, <laughs> but this is the, this is this text from Revelation where it says their works do follow them. You see, so that the things that we accomplish, it's not like they're some sort sort of they're kind of erased once we get to heaven. Mm. But now, we want to be. This doesn't undermine what you said. In, in other words, we're not doing our good works um, in order to be somehow rewarded or exalted in heaven. I mean, again, one of the good works is that we're dying. But notice the thing that both Luther and I think Mueller and Pieper were talking about in that other quote is it's not simply the works of the saints, but also and perhaps especially their suffering so that those who suffer in this life will be uh, rewarded in the life to come. So so you have the picture of Lazarus who suffered all these sorts of things. And then Lazarus is exalted with this very sweet comfort. And it's not unconnected. I mean, it's mostly connected to his faith. Lazarus had Moses and the prophets. He believed him. That's how he ended up at Abraham's bosom. But there is a there is a thing with Lazarus suffering. I mean, Jesus didn't tell the parable of the two rich men, one who believed and the other didn't. He told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And so there is a way that the sufferings in this life are... Mm, are rewarded in the life to come. I, I had someone, they said this to me, and and my response was, that's the craziest and most beautiful thing I've ever heard. They said, I try to cry as much as possible on the in this life because that means more time for me in the lap of Jesus wiping away my tears in the resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that, my response was just, I said, that's the craziest and most wonderful thing I've ever heard because there's something true about how you know the sufferings that we endure in this life are are given back to us in the life to come. Well, I think we have to we have to talk about uh, what is a good work. So the Hebrews eleven six says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. So um, to, to make the point, I make this uh, analogy that look, let's say um, there's a small child uh, crawling across the road and a car's coming, and some atheist grabs that child and save the child before getting hit by the car at the last second. 
And is that a good work in the eyes of God? Is God pleased by that work? And according to Hebrews eleven six, the answer is no. Now, to be sure, it's a good work from a human standpoint. I mean, the the parent of that child is is greatly indebted to the to the atheist. But but does is God pleased with that? Is that a good work before God? And the answer is no. Why not? Because what the atheist did, he did apart from faith. So that um, that when God looks at the atheist, everything that he sees in all of his works is his his sin, so to speak. Um, now let's let's change the story a little bit. Let's say um, a, a Christian uh, sees an old lady that needs help carrying two sacks of groceries across the street, and uh, he says, "Oh, man, let me help you," and, and grabs the groceries and you know. Uh, takes her by the arm and and takes her across the street and the whole time he's thinking I sure hope somebody's seeing that I'm I'm doing a good witness for Jesus at this moment <laughs> and then uh, maybe she'll tip me ten bucks when we get to the other side you know he he has completely selfish reasons for doing what he's doing and then he gives the the groceries back uh, and and is is this a good work well yes. <laughs> Why? Uh, in a sense, because the, the, the sinfulness of the work that is done in the life of a Christian uh, is forgiven in so far as he's you know repentant for his sin. You know, that 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 the point here is, is that what is good isn't from what flows out of us, but what is good is deemed to be good um, because it is done in and through faith that, that the 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 righteousness of Christ covers over all of our works. And that is why they are good. So now we go back to the to what you said that that our good works follow them. It's that the work of Christ, in a sense, is our reward in heaven, in light of uh, what He has done for us. Does that make sense? Am I? Am I? Yep. Yep. No, okay. no. I think you're a hundred percent right. I mean, that's one of the great joys of the Christian is that the forgiveness of sins even purifies our good works. <laughs> you know, it takes out all the bad motives, all the sinful uh, activities, all the th- thing ways that we fall short, so that. So that the the doctrine of justification gives us this great hope that we can actually accomplish something good, not because it's good in and of itself, but by faith, like you said, uh, from the Hebrews text, our good works are purified. That's great, and that's also true. And this is really quite wonderful that that the the only thing that we accomplish anything good is because the Lord is pleased to bear with us, to give us the strength to show us what to do, and also to forgive all of the sinful stuff that we bring to our good works. Uh, to cast that aside. Ah, all right. Good stuff. Got another email there? Yeah, yeah, here's one. This is from, um, oh boy, from four people. Diana, Simon, Adeline, and Lydia. Those sound like Australian names to me. (laughs) I don't think so. Hello, pastors. (laughs) Listen, folks, if you don't write in where you're from, then... You're probably going to get an Australian accent when your email is read. I'm just saying. Righto. Church <laughs> sign for you. Hang out with Jesus. He hung out for you. Oh, no. Oh. You get that? Hang out for, hang out with Jesus. He hung out for you. Oh, so bad. Get, get it? I mean, is there... <laughs> I realize not a lot is sacred in these churches, but is does every pun... Is is there a line where we're gonna we're gonna be punny? Like, like maybe being punny about certain things might actually uh, uh, devalue the thing that we're talking about. Is that ever? Does that ever kind of come into the 
consideration here in church science? No. The chief thing is the pun. Yeah. The, Serve the, the pun. <laughs> Fear nothing but the lack of pun. Yeah, the, the pun is the ultimate, sir. Okay, well... Fear the lack of the pun, love the pun, hope that people will laugh at the pun. This is it. I wonder how that's Fear, working Fear, love, and trust of the punniness. But, I mean, churches are going, we never had any visitors until we started being punny on our church sign, and then it was just influx of visitors. We'll be right back. Everyone wants to hang out with you. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is most certainly true. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. The In Honor of Flammy show, this is Table Talk Radio, and we are learning that... that <laughs> it's like It's like when your favorite player gets traded to another team, and you're like, oh, I hate that team. It's like, you, you, you didn't care about that team yesterday. <laughs> Roswell. <laughs> is that in the Rocky Mountain District? It is. Oh, so you'll still see him so at still like... still got to see his face every now and again. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to completely write him off. <laughs> yeah, Roswell's nice actually down there. It's kind of it's uh my brother went to school down there at the New Mexico Military Institute and they got all these pecan farms. Hmm. It's nice. That's probably why ran out of he gas driving call. into Roswell one time. He I, I love pecans. <laughs> <laughs> Here they just have Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> that's right all right uh the email continues by the way uh with this topic praise songs and american sign language when interpreting into the into sign actual words are discarded as an effort for the same meaning is attempted for example if i said quote there was a very long line i would make the sign for a line and extend its length visually or if I hear Sabaoth, I might sign something comparable to groups of army of of army angels. Or if I hear the pastor talk about Jesus' body and blood, I might just point to the altar instead of using a specific sign. So here's a thought to ponder, a question to answer, a thing to consider and discuss amongst yourselves. Question. How could anyone ever sign the mystical, meaningless praise songs? Maybe they could just sign, now have warm, fuzzy God feelings. Discuss amongst yourself. Now, this is a really interesting thing, but the email, just a thing to continue, email says, uh, could you give a surprise shout-out to my husband, Aaron Yeager, for his ordination July 23rd, 2017? I like how she included the year. It's <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> we just missed it by July, August, September, I mean, October. If she, five, five months? If she hadn't put the year, I would have I thought, yeah, we got a few months to tackle that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we'll do that coming Just up. Just if anybody's wondering, please give us about a two and a half year lead time for any sort of <laughs> shout outs. Welcome to the office of the Holy Ministry, Pastor Yeager. God be praised for that. Now this, but the point of this email is fantastic. How do you sign the sign? How do you sign the praise song? Cause there's like, there's no nouns. <laughs> there's no verbs. It's all just vaguenesses. 
I want to try this out. You want to try it? We want to do a speed crunch and see if we can um, see how you might Wait, sign language right, a song. So I'll play the song and you put it into to sign language. That'll be great for radio. Yeah, I'll sign. I'll sign while the radio people are. <laughs> All right. I'll describe how I'm signing. This will be great. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. Uh, all right. So the song I have for you has been submitted to us for a crunch. It's uh, from Jim. Jim says, hey, Pastor Brian. Hey, how am I going to include it in this email? I uh, recently heard this song, although it appears from the video it's a few years old this now. This isn't the Hill song that we, cr- that we crunched already, is it? I don't think so. Here's Hill song. Beneath the waters, I will rise. I'm playing air guitar. A sign of a cross. Acting dead. Looking happy. Absolution. Point to the pastor. Point to the cross. Put my head in the baptismal. <laughs> Lift up my head. Jump up and down. Sign of the cross. Walk out of an open That word? I in him I, I live. live. Open my eyes. Hold my hair. Back to the bedroom. No fear. Someone looking angry. Someone else punching him in the face. <laughs> Stand up. Jump up. Walk out of the Okay. All right. That's the long and short of it. All right. So that was uh, Beneath the Waters, How Rise. How's the sign language going over there? Pretty... It works. It's, it's really great. I'm a little bit tired, but <laughs> you know who's really you know, good at normally sign language? You, you t- <laughs> who the flammy? I mean, we <laughs> sign language makes me think of the flammy for some reason. I don't it, know. Doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, normally it goes the opposite. You take words and you translate it into sign language, but to take sign language and translate it into words, like I was doing, so fantastically, <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Well, we completely destroyed that. All right. So, um, you know, we didn't really do a serious crunch of that, but that that would be interesting to see how that one goes. I mean, how there was many, another Hillsong song that passed the cruncher, which true. I cannot believe because they're a bunch of heretics. I know. Um, I mean, how many praise songs talk about absolution that you can think of? Not many. Yeah. And the death of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and repentance and the cross. And now I'm found in him, and so I'm I live. I'm starting to think that these praise songwriters are listening to the show. Mm. <laughs> if they were listening to the show, they would be getting more and more mystical. 
No. Because th- these kind of praise songs just aren't going to cut it. Uh, I know. I mean, because they deliver the goods, they're not going to hit the high ranks. I mean, if you right. if you want to... Here's the thing. If you want a praise song that uh, gives the people of God what they need to hear and sing about, then write about Christ and the forgiveness of sins. If you want a praise song to be popular and hit the hit the charts... Don't talk about Christ and forgiveness of sins and be as mystic as possible. So it just depends what you're setting out to do. I think the problem that we've got with these praise songs is that all these uh, Reformed guys, there's all these people that are becoming Reformed. So bad. I mean, it's better than being just a bland evangelical Pentecostal. It's like, <laughs> I mean, slightly better. It's like I heard you recently on a show. <laughs> what was uh, well, I forgot the name of the show. Sharpening Iron. Something. Iron Sharper's Iron. Yeah, iron yeah, Sharpen. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, you're talking about your book, uh, American Christianity Failed and all that. And someone was like, what's, what started this? And you're like, the Calvinists did. <laughs> I don't know this. how much the Calvinist host like that. <laughs> he wants to blame it on Charles Fitty. <laughs> You're like, Which I do too. But. So you made an interesting point now that we're segueing away from the topic at hand that uh, when when John Calvin makes this distinction between the internal call and the external call of the word, already you're starting in, uh, you're allowing for um, a distinction to be made in Charles Finney. Would you make that connection? Mm-hmm. I would make that connection. <laughs> oh, right now? <laughs> In sign language? Yeah. <laughs> because Charles Finney, uh, you know, he's he's got the freedom of the will and the manipulation of the will, but so you got so it's all about the internal act. As soon as the call of God is internalized, you open it wide open to this emotional manipulation instead of the outward call. So th- that's the that's the move that's made there. Well it's he really kind of a the, deadly move. The host the host kind of challenged you on that and, and you know to, I mean, it's like where's the connection between Finney and uh, and um, Calvin? It's not like you know Finney was reading the Institutes and said, "Ah, oh, let's go have a revival." But but the point is, is that the theological move is the same between what Calvin wants to do to deal with elect and reprobate uh, in in dealing with God's word, and now you have uh, how Finney's going to approach a revival, uh, doing the exact same thing theologically. Now, I want to know how mm-hmm. you would explain that in sign language. It, Sign language in an Australian accent. Okay, ready? <laughs> oh, okay. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. You could do the whole show in sign language. Are, are we going to crunch the song, or are we too late Cr- to crunch? We got a minute to crunch, so just... Okay, it mentioned Jesus. Crunch. It was slightly repetitive, but it did talk about the stuff outside of us. It wanted to wrap in the life of Jesus to our own life, so it was making a slightly uncomfortable... Uh, move there without being explained. But I thought, in general, it didn't have any false doctrine, and it was. It, I think that song would be okay for the car. I <laughs> I do. I just. I mean, on a quick quick listen to the thing. Wait. So um, so why isn't it good for my church? Because the music's bad. <laughs> 
But I, I don't have a category for that. I got to put a category in there because, like I said, all the, if they start writing all these songs for the Reformed guys, which it means they talk about the gospel, something like law and gospel, they avoid limited atonement and baptism in the Lord's Supper, and they're gonna the praise songs are gonna get better and better. So we're we're gonna have to be able to um, do something with them. I think so. There, there is a little bit of a distinctive with Lutheran hymnody. Um, to be always bringing it back to the means of grace, which you don't have in songs like this, obviously. So Yeah, you can't have it on songs like this because the songs themselves are the means of grace. As soon as you talk about uh, the means of grace, you wouldn't have to sing like this. There you go. All right, that's it for us. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the reliability of Pastor Flammy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. I got a Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, uh, uh, aversion uh, uh, to incomplete uh, sentences, uh, with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, metatosis, lung cancer, brain tumor, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.